0: Do you really think if this game goes wrong on Saturday, Peter Bosch would get sacked? Uh, I don't think immediately. 13 of the L world Pod. i'm your host stefan butzko and yes you just heard me and constantine uh, being absolutely certain that uh, peter bosch would stay on but he did not so um first of all hello constantine welcome to the show <laughs> hello stefan uh, yeah right
1: we we didn't we didn't expect that but more stuff to yeah. discuss i guess right
0: I, I, I guess so, now uh, finally we can talk about uh, Peter Stugabiegen, the new Borussia Dortmund coach And since we already established that Konstantin and I do not have any clue whatsoever We brought in two other guys, also here Matthias Zug, hello Matthias, welcome to the show again Hello Stefan And Lars Poilmann, hello Lars
2: Hello Stefan, I don't have a clue either, but uh, thanks for the <laughs> invitation anyway <laughs>
1: but yeah, we we, yeah. we doubled the amount of
0: not cluing, not having clues yeah yeah all right so matthias uh since we just established that you must be the only one with the clue here <laughs> which <laughs> remains to be seen uh-huh. and maybe maybe uh you can be the first to uh tell us your thoughts on uh, Borussia Dortmund kicking out peter bosch after the 2-1 loss against Werder Bremen and bringing in peter stöger from Cologne.
3: I think before the Bremen match, I even posted on Twitter uh, if Dortmund lose, he's gone, and sure enough, um, he they did, and he was, and it was the logical step. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know. I think Las said, you know, you, you, you hate to fire the guy, but you kind of got to fire the manager because Peter Bosch seemed like a genuinely nice man. Um, so you know, from from the human standpoint, it's a real shame, but obviously the performances overall forced the move. Peter Stöger being available, obviously, uh, helped the situation, I think, progress it a little bit more, rather than if Peter Stöger would still be at Köln. I think overall, given how it's been framed and and the contract he's been given to the end of the season... It's a it's a good move. I don't think it's a huge risk at this point because uh, the the team was floundering. So you know you make a change in hopes that it changes something. Of course, Dortmund won, but there's I don't think that necessarily has everything to do with this um, managerial change. But uh, I think it's it's a good move if he does really well. You extend his contract if it's okay. You kind of look for uh, Julian Nagelsmann or somebody like that to come in in the summer. But it also is good for Peter Stöger, even if he only stays until the end of the season. He's got Dortmund on his CV. He can kind of rehabilitate his image as a manager that, to me, got tarnished this season because of the poor performances in Köln. But until then, he had obviously done really good things with Cohen, So I'd say overall, probably conservatively said a win-win all around.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Lars, you want to chime in?
2: Yeah, I don't know about win-win, but uh, certainly in my opinion, a, a solid move. I think firing uh, Bosch was inevitable at some stage. I mean, we we've talked about his shortcomings basically the entire six months, even when the results were going Dortmund's way at the start of the season. We always uh talked about the cautionary tale of uh Dortmund's rather poor opponents at the start of the Bundesliga season and and not everything being as it looked. And I think uh with an with a performance as abject as Dortmund's against Bremen there was certainly no argument left whatsoever for Boschen. I think uh, we talked about it in like the penultimate episode I think if if there had been a viable alternative available to Dortmund's decision makers before uh this early days of December they, they would have made the change uh, much sooner uh, so the question then is are you happy with Peter Stöger I am uh, I think he would have been a fine choice in the summer maybe not the most creative one but uh, one that has a pretty high chance of working out because he's shown at Cologne that he can develop a team over a lengthy time, which, uh, is something most managers don't get the opportunity to do uh, these days. So he must have done something right to get four and a half years at a notoriously unstable club like Cologne. Um, and he's, uh, from a personality standpoint, I think he's, uh, something the club needs at the moment. He's calm but not um, apathetic like uh, Peter Bosch, who sometimes seemed to uh, be glued to his spot on the uh, coach's bench during games. And I think Stöger has a bit more fire to him, which some of the players seem to uh, need at this point of the season uh, with the way the teams defended over the first few months of the season it certainly doesn't hurt to have someone come in in peter Stöger, who's renowned for defensive stability and organization and uh, we will talk about the minds game later on and i think we, we saw the first glimpses of that even though obviously with him having basically one half decent uh, training session with the team because of uh, snowy conditions on sunday he only had monday to prepare the team now uh, and he said it himself. Uh, it, it, this win wasn't really about anything he did, but I do think that his more conservative approach, I guess, uh, and, and calmer attitude towards football uh, compared to Bosch is is a blessing for this team as of right now. And then another question then comes in in the summer: is is Stöger the guy to lead the team for two or three seasons? Which is basically the the extent of the time frame a head coach gets these days, or is this really a six and a half month thing where he consolidates and someone else comes in, perhaps a bit more creative going forward? But that's a discussion for another day. for For right now, I think it was a logical and good move, even though there was some curious, or it, it was a curious move in in some ways, seeing as he came from the worst. Uh, last place team in Bundesliga history, and now is the head coach at the second largest club of the of the league. But I guess that's the beauty of the Bundesliga for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, Constantine. Um, if we actually take a look at the two uh, one loss against Werder Bremen, Dortmund were horrible in the first half. Werder Bremen applied another man marking scheme across the entire pitch. Dortmund could not really handle it well. And after the game, Marcel Schmelzer had a very uh, long and uh, to some extent even epic rant about uh, yeah, a lot of things calling the uh, first half performance especially in absolute impotence what the fans from, from the team and uh, more or less in between the lines said that the team wasn't really motivated to play in everyday Bundesliga life and uh, if things work in the Champions League, they also should work on the Bundesliga stage and uh, yeah... Took Veda Brems player as an example for how you move the strikers to uh, beat the man, maybe how to take on others. Basically, he, he maligned that Dortmund did not show enough movement. And, um, to add to that, Hans-Joachim Watzke said on, uh, I, I think yesterday it, it was in this uh, ruhr 1909 talk or whatever it was that, uh, the players, when they were talking to him, that they never were 100% convinced in uh, this high and aggressive pressing style that Peter Bosz uh, tried to implement at Dortmund. Um, so with with all that in mind, Konstantin, do you think it was now finally inevitable to, to sack Bosz? And uh, do you think it's there's a rift in the team? Do you think Dortmund's players are maybe lacking character considering that first half against Bremen? Geez, there was one hell of a long winded lead up to
1: one question. Um, actually, I think I passed out in the uh, in between. Um, all right, so I'm so, gonna pass out now in
0: your five minute monologues. So <laughs> go ahead,
1: sure, as you, as you always do, but you edited uh, the post production, you know, um, where, where you edit out your, um, the voices you make when you are passing out. Um, wait, so um there was something in there with man marking against uh Werder and what where, uh, what Werder did and then something about character and okay uh to sum it up a little bit um yeah there there were there were problems uh with bosch's tactical work as we have repeatedly have uh, talked about uh, on this very show and and also there um is some kind of a of a problem of an issue going on that um several of the Dortmund players uh midfielders in their regard and and attacking players that they don't really can can do much on their own when they are you know f- f- basically forced to um move a bit more fluidly to get rid of uh, man marking um that's, that's, that's a problem. And watching the Minds match, it's, it, it, it's not like, uh, that has changed, you know, over in a few days. Uh, I mean, it was still a lackluster performance against Minds for the most part. Uh, j- just a little bit more, a, a bit more smarter approach, um, overall, but <laughs> not, not that, not that much of an improvement, uh, which is concerning. And, uh, I don't think we will see that, that much of an improvement uh, going forward until next summer. So yeah, I mean, Bosch, ha- made mistakes um didn't find the right solutions the right answers uh to the questions uh, given to him meaning you know if 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 an opponent just is men marking tightly um which is the most or the simplest um form of defending in 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 2017 but still it was enough to um basically uh, neutralize Dortmund's um, attacking power, basically, or attacking energy um, um, or whatever, you know, attacking threat, basically. Um, So, yeah, there's something to it. And uh, on the other hand, um, speaking of character, I think, I don't know if it's uh, Stöger's job to do that because he will only be there until summer, um, maybe it will be Month's job uh, um, from I don't know July, uh, August onwards. Um, you have to figure out, or you have to find a way to, um, basically get the balance within the team or in the club. right again. I mean, there's some there's some weird stuff going on that some older players, some veterans, think they can do what they want, and they can basically, you know. Th- talk about what 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 what's wrong and what's right technically uh, in in the locker room and that's not the first time that th- stuff like that has happened um because we remember what happened when when club really struggled with uh, um in his last season at Dortmund and basically the same thing happened back then there was Sebastian Kiel involved um of, of course he's now retired uh, but you know his his compadre Nuri Shine is still in there and doing his stuff. I mean he should he should maybe think about playing better than he can run his mouth. Um, so because you know having a few years as topman player under your belt doesn't doesn't give you the right um, to just you know uh, basically see yourself ahead of or um, uh, above uh, everyone else. Um, so I think the next coach the next uh, like real head coach uh, has to uh, you know. <laughs> straighten out some guys, otherwise get rid of them. That's
0: just one point I wanted to add. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Matthias, in case you haven't passed out yet, um, what do you think Peter Bosch has, you know, what should be his first priority to uh, Peter Stüge, of course, what should his first priority be in Dortmund? Should he fix the dressing room, as uh, Michael Zorc alluded to in the uh, news conference when they announced the switch at the helm uh, saying that you know they need someone with a lot of empathy right now or do you really think it's shoring up the defense? It's probably both but on on the list of priorities, what would you rank first?
3: I would suggest changing his first name. Uh, we can start there because I'm sure there'll be a few Peter Bosch-isms when they mean Peter Stöger. Um, no, but in all seriousness <clears throat> I think it's about giving the defensive players specifically a feeling of confidence that they're not as bad as they've been playing, um, that they're actually pretty decent defenders. Um, and by, and, and I think aside from telling them that, uh, cause we can't forget a lot of them are also still young, you know, uh, they're you know in their twenties and stuff like that. And, Sometimes people in their 20s can be a little sensitive, Um, but uh, I think the way to go about it beyond just telling them that is to obviously make some changes into the system to make them feel more comfortable, uh, less pressure on them, and makes it, I'm not going to say easier on them, but that helps build their confidence when they're not asked to do too much or outside of their comfort zone, which obviously they were being asked to do. To a certain degree, and they perform better. That will help build up the confidence, and I think that'll shore things up. and And you can kind of see it simply by the use of Julian Weigel. You know, you you kind of let him do what he had been doing under Thomas Tuchel a little bit more, and his confidence will come up because his performances are better, and that that just kind of trickles down through the, throughout the entire team.
0: Yeah, Lars-Peter Stöger has been talking a lot about uh, just making players comfortable and uh, also that he he doesn't really have a vision, but rather, uh, you know, as a football coach, he thinks he has to depend on what uh, his players can implement. So um, with that in mind, um, how do you think a coach can make this Dortmund side the most comfortable right now? What changes do you have in mind, little tweaks here and there that uh, should do the trick maybe?
2: Yeah, first of all, I think it's really smart what he's doing right now uh, in, in terms of his uh, appearances in front of the media and on all that. I think he's uh, playing down his role as a coach and more talking about his role as a, a I don't know, a, a leader of men, I guess. I mean, it, right now with this little amount of time uh, before the winter break and and. Two English weeks for him in his first two weeks on the job. There's not much he can do on the training pitch in terms of making tactical tweaks. He's basically got one real training session for every game now until uh, the holidays, basically. So it's smart of him to focus on uh, soft skills and not, you know, tactical changes or whatever. But uh, to come to your question, I think what he's doing with Weigel, for example, is uh, really. On one hand, it's smart, but on the other, other hand, it's so simple that uh, I, I still can't believe uh, Bosch never got around to doing that. Uh, and that is just playing players in the positions they're best at and and letting them do what they're best at and, 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 and not uh, shoehorning them into roles they clearly aren't the best fits for. Uh, we've talked about the Weigel shahin debate over and over again. Well, if Weigl can be Weigel then there is no debate to be had because he's a much better player than Schein. Uh We've talked about Young being uncomfortable, dropping uh, in the 10 space too often and, and being asked to partake in the team's uh, building of attacks instead of being the finisher, uh, where uh, Stöger will probably ask him to not drop back so much, uh, have a few fewer touches per game, but possibly get into the dangerous areas one or two times more often. And, and that can be the difference between uh, Aubameyang having a bad game and him scoring, which is basically what Aubameyang in a good game does. So I think what what uh, Stöger is probably going to do at least in these last two games, and then we'll have to uh, reassess after the winter break, I guess. I don't even know if they have enough time in the winter break for, for friendlies uh, seeing as it's only basically one week this time. Uh, but uh, it, th- that thing is dumbing down and and going back to basics, uh, just putting players in a position to succeed, giving them or not giving them rather any specific tasks uh, that, that go beyond their most basic responsibilities on the pitch. And I think Uh, If you look at the the Mainz game and the lineup there, I think that was the 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 approach he took there. And it showed in performances, not only of Weigel, but for example, of someone like Jeremy Toljan as well, who's been very much up and down without a lot of ups after the first few games of his Dortmund career. And and he looked like a changed man against Mainz. Obviously, that's not the most dangerous of opponents, but still, just by playing a very simple right-back role uh, which didn't ask him to do too much. So I think that's the way to go with basically everyone in the team. Uh, and and it's also why I thought he'd play in a 4-2-3-1 with Kagawa as the 10, which basically they did in the second half when uh, Dahoud came on. Uh, just go with the simplest of approaches and, and the the three points against Mainz should help in that regard because there, there's not as much pressure to... Uh, beat Hoffenheim, which might be difficult, and the the Bayern game is basically a bonus anyway, so uh, it's it's not like uh, we are expecting too much of this team right now, so uh, Stöger's approach to calm it and maybe dumb it down a bit, uh, uh, that should be uh, doable in these last two games.
0: Matthias, um, how did you see the uh... The approach to not, uh, implement a high aggressive pressing line, but more, to, more of a midfield press against Mainz and to, yeah, basically sit back a little bit more than, than, uh, we've seen before. Do you think this is a feature Dortmund will show in the next two games as well? Or do you think that was just a specific, uh, to you know, something to do against Mainz? What do you, what do you think?
3: I think it was the smart thing to do against Mainz in the sense of, you know, obviously they, they're they a team that, that would set out to defend, to sit deep. You're committing too many people forward too aggressively. They knock a ball over the top. You concede a goal. Basically what we've been seeing, right? So doing letting Mainz come out a little bit more at times, then pressing them to win the ball helped create space, especially in the second half. You saw that more. The first half was a little dull, but, um, you know, everybody kind of feeling each other out. But you saw those spaces starting to open up, and you could exploit it with the speed that you have at your disposal. So I think they'll be a little bit less aggressive in the sense of you won't see the, the Klopp or even Bosch, like, a hyper-aggressive pressing, um, maybe situationally, but not as a core philosophy. I think letting the other team, you know, like you said, a midfield press is probably more going to be what they do. Um, you know, Cohen did... Not quite that, but they also pressed, but from a deeper position with Dalton. He can he could do more, but obviously he saw the problems, and everybody saw the problems that we had. And so he's adjusting accordingly, letting players get more confident with themselves and with the what, what he wants them to do, and then situationally probably become a little bit more aggressive, especially against teams that will like to play a little bit more than, say, Mainz.
0: Yeah, that's uh, the the only thing. uh, (laughs) I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you, of course, but Mainz is certainly not the highest benchmark, let's put it this way. I thought they were pretty shambolic on on Tuesday night, but uh, maybe they would have been better against the Dortmund team led by Bosch. Maybe they would have been worse. Who really knows? I mean, Leipzig uh, Mainz just had a 2-2 draw against Leipzig, so um, that's an honourable result for them, I guess. And um, the thing is we saw in the early 50 minutes or so that even if Dortmund are a little bit more conservative, uh, you know, you can't find a magic solution to, yeah, weed out all of their defensive problems, you know, all of a sudden. That's just not how it works. (laughs) Uh, I think everyone remembers the uh, non-attempt by Rafael Guerrero to head a ball away that uh, message. Schmelzer message just uh, yeah shot vertically into the air that was pretty comical and a couple of uh, seconds later mine rattled the crossbar and i think in the 12th minute or so there was another chance uh, i don't i don't know who it was but he, he snapped the shot v- wide and uh, yeah was was left wide open in the in the box Mainz attacker last do you know which player i'm referring to uh seeing as soad zerda had the only three chances
2: uh from open play it must have been him uh, but uh overall even though mine's uh were the more forceful side in the first half i would say uh they did they their only shot on target and that depends on your definition was that uh, attempt from distance from zerda that uh, went against against the crossbar and uh Dortmund didn't allow a single real scoring opportunity in my opinion at least in the second half so uh after they settled down uh they they became more comfortable obviously and, and also I think uh what's interesting is that this was basically the exact opposite to the Bosch approach uh by Dortmund in terms of how they spent their energy under Bosch they came out came out uh, guns blazing in the first half and then faded towards the, the final third of the game and uh, it was basically the 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 opposite here that they they were calm and, and maybe even a bit uh, slow out of the gates but uh, they were much more decisive after uh, the halftime break and then they basically played their most aggressive football in the final 15 minutes or so against Tyler and Mainz opponent uh, who, uh, as you said, weren't really the benchmark but still... Uh, uh, a decent enough Bundesliga side at home, uh, after such a rotten run of results for Dortmund. So, uh, it was certainly interesting to me that they played, uh, their, their best football, or maybe not their best football because it wasn't really great football per se, but their, their most forceful pressing and attacking in in the final 20 odd minutes. So, uh, if, if that's something that came from the coach which is hard to say after you know a couple of hours basically with the players only uh, that's something uh, i think that made a lot of sense for this game and might also uh, help them in in some other games even though obviously at some point dortmund will be will have to to find football solutions where in this game they scored from a free kick and from minds throwing everything uh, in front of dortmund's goal
0: yeah, definitely. So, um Constantine, if we if we look at Dortmund's overall de- development throughout the game, uh, last just mentioned it, uh, you know, we we finally had to prove that Dortmund are not an unfit squad, but rather uh, you know, if you manage your energy levels a little bit smarter then you also have some steam left in the final 15 minutes. So, if we, if we look at it, I mean Mahmoud Dahoud at some point came on the field, I think around what was it, 70th minute or so? And uh, can you walk us a little bit through what adjustments Peter Stöger took in his first game?
1: You mean um, mid-game adjustments? So...
0: Or, yeah, in-game or, 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 is adjustments. In, in That's general. a big topic <laughs> since or Peter Bosch. Or in general. Um, so, you, yeah. you can start with them in general and then the in-game ones if you want.
1: Yeah, I, f- I think we've already talked a little bit about uh, general adjustments. I mean, Weigel yeah, yeah, like a bit deeper and more present in, in build-up. Um, Jan Olenko still uh, touching the sideline uh, repeatedly for no reason um and that's why Toljan had to had to uh, use the inner lane more often which is not his best role actually it's it's not really um uh, a suitable role for him but whatever it was necessary because Yamolenko has the need uh, or feels the need to to be in and close to a touchline um so yeah, i i mean as i mentioned uh the problem was that the midfield still um, was very static and there was no rotation. There was nothing going on, basically, in the, the, uh, throughout the first half or throughout maybe the first sixty minutes or so, which is which is not good because uh, it still um, it still hinders um, Dortmund's build up um, to be more uh, forceful. Just uh, if if you don't rotate, no no fluidity, nothing. Uh, there's just nothing going on. Agüero and Kagawa. I mean the the. the the biggest movement Kagawa showed in the first uh, forty-five minutes was that he occasionally dropped uh, back uh, through the White right hall space. There was it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, next to Weigel, basically. Yeah, yeah, next to Weigel. But
0: I, I think, didn't you write in a uh, column for online that Peter Stüger actually is a coach who uh, can make Dortmunds or or can make an attack very fluid? I mean, uh, comparatively fluid compared to. I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, obviously not after just being, yeah, you yeah. know, appointed after two days, but like right. in the long term, this is something Dortmund fans can look forward to. That the static I mean, midfield that we saw in Mainz is not something that we'll see for the rest of the year.
1: It, it depends a little bit on his on his overall approach. I mean, um, but he he is able to do that. I I mean, what what I wanted to when I wrote the column, what I wanted to do is um, to explain that. Uh, despite him being this defensive-minded coach at Cologne the last the past three and a half years basically, um, that he has shown in in the past um, at Austria Vienna and also uh, in his first season at Cologne that he can do more than that more than just you know a, a focus on defending, um, and that he has some some tricks up his sleeve uh, as far as build up goes, but. Uh, we will see. We will see. Yeah, I think after the winter break, they will tell us more about what he can do in terms of build-up, in terms of, up, in terms of a, a attacking structure. Uh, but right now, I mean, it, it it looks it looked as static as as under Bosch. Basically, what he did was was quite smart in the in the second half that he brought in um, Dahoud as basically the second holding midfielder next to Weigel or Shaheen, um which which was. A, a, a good decision because um, as as mine's backline dropped rather deep, there was more space uh, to play a long ball into, and Weiger and Dahoud basically uh, let the counter pressing wave um, to 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 secure the, the second ball, you know, to pick up uh, loose balls there in midfield, um, which which worked out quite well, and that was also one of the reasons why um, Dortmund could secure the result after they scored the, the, the free kick uh, or the, the the first goal um, of the free kick. So um, it wasn't like Mainz uh, got all loose and and uh, just tried to, um, or was not as dominant as they could have been against uh, the Dortmund side maybe two two weeks ago. Or so, um, you know, um, so yeah, that was something, it was quite smart uh, by Stöger. And once again, he, he basically proved that he is, he is someone who understands, uh, especially th- defensive mechanisms. And um, I think that will be the, the, the biggest uh, improvement uh, going forward that, that Dortmund's uh, defenders will will learn from him a little bit because uh, individually they, they make too many mistakes. Um, and also collectively um, they are... Could be some improvement uh, in game or um, even before the before the matches that he can figure out how to basically neutralize um, opponents in in a more effective way than Bosch did because Bosch was all all about you know dominating um, and then uh, via counter pricing. Um, we gaining ball position and then attacking again and again and again. Um, so I think Stöger is someone who uh, views the entire structure of a football match a little bit differently, um, meaning that there there is there there can be a phase uh, during the match where the opponent uh, is the attacking uh, side of the two um, teams involved. So where you have to figure out how to how to have a um, basically a, a solid, at least solid defense without using counter pressing and without using a high press. Uh, although I have to say, um, I think a month or so ago, there was an atrocious, uh, high, high pressing going on at Cologne where they had like three players up front, the, uh, really up front. I mean, t- uh, 10 yards or five yards close to the opposing uh, penalty area. And the own backline was 20 yards, uh, in front of their own penalty area. So there were basically 50-60 yards of empty space between uh, the two lines of Cologne's uh, formation, which was, of
0: course, uh, just horrendous to watch. Last, you had an interview published on yellowwarpod.com with uh, Thomas Reinscheid who actually criticized Peter Stugger's in-game coaching. Do do you think that uh, this can still be an improvement over Peter Bosch. I know the sample size of one game we have is uh, very, very small. But uh, do you hope at least, or do you, do you think that uh, this will dramatically improve now? Because we have criticized Peter Bosch's in-game coaching quite severely throughout the last episodes. Well, Thomas didn't really criticize Stöger's in-game
2: coaching as much as saying that maybe he's lost his magic touch a bit, which to me indicates that he was considered a, a very good in-game coach and maybe just lost his way a bit this season. But I think the entirety of Cologne season can basically be washed away as as it pertains to Stöger's time in Dortmund, uh, because the uh, qualities of the squads are so very different and Cologne... I mean, if you look at the teams they are putting on the pitch right now, that's, that's not Bundesliga quality in too many spots. So, uh, I don't know that, uh, uh, an even higher rated coach than Stöger could have, could have saved Cologne from themselves this season because the squad is not just not good enough. And they had, uh, the extra wear and tear of European football and some internal turmoil so I think this was just a doomed season from the start for Cologne so it doesn't really really tell us anything about how Stöger will go about his business at Dortmund I think we have to look more at his overall body of work at Cologne which was very uh, impressive I mean uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke said when they uh, presented Stöger to the media on Sunday that uh, getting Cologne to fifth place and into the Europa League is basically like winning two championships with a bigger club. So and I don't think that's necessarily hyperbole because uh, Cologne, uh, if you follow the Bundesliga, you know that Cologne over the last two decades, basically that's not been the most stable of sides. And and typically they are looking at uh, avoiding the drop or getting back up to the Bundesliga because they failed to do so. So, uh for for a coach to stabilize them to the extent that Stöger managed that is really impressive and and I haven't really followed them closely enough to talk about his capabilities as an in-game manager but I mean uh does it get worse than Peter Bosch in that regard I don't know
0: probably not um all right moving on from in-game coaching Matthias um Against Mainz, Dortmund had three or four very promising counter attacking situations. Um, overall, I would say their transition game right now isn't really, <laughs> isn't really all that great. Um, do you think this is something that can be fixed quickly or do you think this will need a longer period of time? I don't, I don't really know why there were so many bad decisions or do you just think that the footballing IQ of some players in those uh, quick moments where they have the ball and have to run forward, are are not good enough, or is this just normal that not every of your counter-attacking moves, where you have a numerical advantage, comes off?
3: Well, so you're basically asking me if I should say that Dortmund players are stupid? I maybe I don't I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I no. I, I mean, obviously, not every counter attack works. Um, but I think a lot of it just has to come down to, to the confidence of the squad right now. Um, give it time. I think it'll come. I don't know if it's something that'll change immediately, a few more positive results. And I think you'll, you'll see them playing with more confidence, which sharpens the mind, lessens the, I guess the amount of times that you second guess yourself so you're more likely to make the right decision. You start second guessing yourself. You make mistakes. Uh, that's that's human nature. That's normal in anything you do. But if you play or work or do anything with confidence, you're more likely to make the right decision every time. Um, it was a little, I have to say, it was a little shocked by how sloppy the passing was at times. Uh, even when they saw the right pass, the pass just wasn't performed. Uh, which surprised me a little bit because that wasn't really something that I registered as often before and I think it just comes down to it's a new situation, everybody's getting used to it Um, you know you got the right result It it was this time it was the right appointment at the right time Um, and so I think give it time give it the winter break even if it's a pretty short winter break I think you'll see those automatisms function (laughs) better again moving forward all right, fair enough. Um, Lars,
0: any more points you want to make, or Konstantin, or you, Matthias, on that Mainz game, or shall we move on to preview Hoffenheim?
1: Hoffenheim!
0: All right, all right. Um, <laughs> Konstantin, do you think, with uh, Julian Nagelsmann being in the stands and taking note of every step Dortmund took in Mainz, um with uh, the confidence boost that Dortmund now had after the first league win since September and everything, uh, they can go into this game as favorites? Or do you think uh, it's, it's still going to be very tricky because Mainz were just very, very bad and we should not be fooled by Mainz being bad, thinking that Dortmund could also now win against Hoffenheim? What do you think?
1: I think it's a toss-up, basically. Um, uh,
0: Hoffenheim,
1: when they beat... Uh, Leipzig pretty handily. Uh, at least the uh, the score line, uh, would tell you that it was pretty handily four uh, 0 Um, that uh they were able to um sit sit back and counter uh Leipzig, who or who is also a side who is often struggling with uh with you know building up plays uh instead of uh countering. Um, or press, pressing and countering. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Hoffenheim could do that again, especially in Dortmund and uh, Dortmund Stadium. So, um, that could, yeah, I, I could see them uh, trying to do that. Um, and I, I don't know if Dortmund c- could handle it very well at this point. Um, um, I mean, there is, sure, there is Stöger and maybe he has some a- a- effect. Uh, immediately, but uh, still, there are a, a lot of problems, and there's still a backline, um, playing for Dortmund. And basically, no matter who is a part of the backline, um the backline will, will struggle here and there and will make mistakes, um, and will not be positioned in, in, the, in the right way, um, occasionally. That just that that's n- nothing will change within a few days, um, and it wasn't like Bosch crossed all of that. Um, the backline had problems before him on um, the So um, yeah, I, I think Hoffenheim, if they try to to play their counter-attacking style, they they could they can very well be uh, pretty dangerous for Dortmund. Um, on the other hand, it's not like Hoffenheim is this unbeatable side. I mean, they they themselves have a um mediocre at best uh backline um and it is just it it's thanks to Nagelsmann and uh his skills they they are that high on, on the table uh because he he get... He, he makes makes uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit sometimes. Um, with with his coaching, uh, because when, when you when you got uh Vogt and Akpoguma and Hübner uh, as your defenders sometimes, uh, as your is a back three also, so, uh, then you shouldn't be up there. You should you you know you should be uh for teamful uh, so um so. Um, there's Nagasman, who is like the, the wild card here, and may, maybe he, fa- he has, he, he, he took some notes, uh, during the, during the Dortmund Mainz Dortmund match, and maybe he, he figured something out. Um, who knows? I mean, uh, in, in a battle of two coaches, Nagasman versus Stöger, of course, Nagasman all day, um, he's, he's the better coach, um, at, at least, uh, as far as tactics and strategy goes, uh, maybe Stöger's the, Better mentor or something. I think he's he, that's that's one of his strong suits. Um, so yeah, it's it's basically a toss up. Um, maybe there's maybe the entire mentality and the stadium behind is behind Dortmund's players, of course. After after Pirlo Bosch got sacked, maybe there's some energy and some dynamic going on that that will overwhelm uh, Hoffenheim and will basically lift Dortmund's player up and uh, to three points, uh, so they can. Be a little bit more uh, happy, and then of course they have to play Bayern, and will probably get beaten. But uh, it's you know it's a a little bit more of an it would be an uplifting result after all uh, that crap that went down in the months prior.
0: Yeah, Hoffenheim only so far have registered two wins on the road, which came against Mainz and Cologne. So I think it's fair to say that they are not the strongest team away from home right now. Um, Matthias. Hoffenheim, I think, I, I haven't checked in a couple of weeks, but I think they're still the third best possession, uh, or, or at least they have the third most possession in the Bundesliga. I don't know if they're the third best team in possession. However, um, do you think that if Dortmund sit back and have a little bit more of a conservative approach, that this will actually play into Hoffenheim's cards? Or do you think, uh, as Konstantin just said, that if they play more um counter-attacking style, that's, uh, yeah, Dortmund Dortmund uh are more in trouble. What do you think of of this game? Do you do you think that Hoffenheim will have more solutions up their sleeves to to be a danger to Dortmund than Mainz? And uh if so, what kinda what kind of game are you seeing coming ahead of
3: us? Well or- that well I mean that that Hoffenheim and uh, Julian Nagelsmann have more up their sleeve than Mainz and Sandro Schwarz, I think is <laughs> it's kind of a dumb question. Yeah. Fine. I think it's <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, <laughs> let's, leaving that aside. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they could go about it one of two ways. Odds are, um, I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't, I'm i not in Julian Nagelsmann's brain, of course. Wish I was. Then I could be making a lot of money as a manager. But, um, I mean, there there are a few different ways they could approach it. They could approach it and say, well, Dortmund's playing at home. They've got a little bit of a bounce now. They've got the home crowd pushing them. So let's just sit back, give Dortmund some possession, hit them on the counter, since they still have the same defenders. I mean, we can't forget. I mean, maybe we're, you know, Dortmund's going to play with a little more confidence, but it's the same defenders. Same defenders that did boneheaded moves under Tuchel as well. So y- you have that approach. I think... That's probably what I would prefer if I were Hoffenheim because I feel if they would push Dortmund, if they would have more possession, given Dortmund's speed going forward, playing a counterattacking style would suit Dortmund in this match, especially taking advantage of those defenders that were just mentioned, uh, because I would put, you know, a Pulisic, Yamolenko, Obama and so on up against those guys any day of the week and expect them to beat them. So I think I'm hoping it's more Peter Stöger says, "Hey, let let Hoffenheim have more of the possession. We'll hit them on the counter. Yes, we're at home." That doesn't mean we're going to play like a Manchester United against Manchester City defensive ugly unattractive style of football, but more a uh, you know, be a little bit more pragmatic about it. So uh, that's that would be my hope. Whether or not that happens, of course, is up to people that aren't here. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, Last, Dennis Geiger just has been suspended on the fifth booking. Um, Overall, if we look at that Hoffenheim squad, uh, who do you think can hurt Dortmund the most and how much of a miss is Geiger in your opinion?
2: Well, I'm not exactly qualified to answer the second part of your question because I don't think I remember watching Geiger more than maybe once or twice I saw him now against Stuttgart with one eye open basically because the game was so horrible that I did some things on the side uh, generally Hoffenheim are a bit hard to read for me uh, it seems Nagelsmann is very deliberate in the usage of some players I mean uh, guys like Kevin Akpoguma or posh or nico Schulz or uh, even someone like mark wood they are in and out of the lineup it seems um it, 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 he doesn't really have like 12 13 guys that and 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 a, a couple of rotational pieces it seems to me especially with this being their first european campaign as well uh, it seems to me like there are like 18 19 players basically who can hope to start any given Bundesliga match. So I don't exactly know whom we will see uh, at the Signal Iduna Park on Saturday. So I don't, I mean, my expectation would be uh, to see Mark Oud and Serge Gnabry again up front. Uh, They offer a a diverse type of skill set that Dortmund could struggle with, uh, especially Gnabry's pace. Uh, let him run at at Tollian and Sokratis on, on Dortmund's right side of the fence. and That could spell trouble for Dortmund. Then Mark Ute, uh, who's uh, been linked with pretty much every club in Germany by right by now, because he's out of a contract in in the summer. Even Dortmund now. Uh, were discussed as a potential suitor of his this week. Uh I think he's got like eight goals this season, six of which or seven of which came after the seventy-fifth minute. So that tells you one thing, uh first that he's uh more of a super sub than a regular starter for them. But Sandro Wagner's injured, so he's getting a bit more opportunities to start games and also that he's quite dangerous in front of goal. So uh with Dortmund's defense still not being the most stable in this world. Uh, I think you you look at their attacking talent and, and that's the the problem you might have. But I think for, the good thing about Dortmund's coaching change and the lack of time he's got uh, with the team right now is that nobody would uh, bet an eye if Dortmund played for a boring goalless draw in this game. And if they got that, I think that wouldn't be the worst result. So it's... it's uh, it's not a bad time I think, to uh, face Hoffenheim, even though uh I crushed Peter Bosch for saying uh, it's a great or it's the best possible time to face uh insert any opponent of your imagination here <laughs> uh, but i I do think uh, facing Hoffenheim right now that that might not be the worst thing I, it, it would have been worse to face Hoffenheim like three or four weeks ago. I think they would have been absolutely pummeled then.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's already a, a tiny advantage that Hoffenheim had to play on Wednesday and that uh, Dortmund played a day earlier and does have one day more to recuperate. And uh, yeah, if we look at their lineup a little bit, I always think that uh, Bay and uh, Kadrabek are two players that can both yeah, have some nice key passes in the half spaces and uh, uh, link up pretty well with uh, the likes of Uth and, and Gnabry. I, I, I'm not too sure about Rupp and, and Schultz, but I think... Hoffenheim's right side, especially by they can uh, do good things, especially on the transition. I think their decision-making is is rather okay-ish. It's at least better than what Dortmund showed in Mainz. Um, and uh, I also do like Kevin Vogt as the uh, sort of quarterback there in the heart of their defense. Usually they play with a back three or back five. And, uh, I, I usually like the, uh, the passes he plays. I think he's a very intelligent player and I, I like what Nagelsmann has done with him. But, uh, yeah, as Konstantin said, I'm not too sure about either the posh or Hübner. But, uh, yeah, we will, we will see how, how things work out. I would say that if we look at both squads, they are both a little bit lopsided that they have more attacking talent right now than defensive talent. I mean, Hoffenheim lost Zühl in the summer, which arguably is a very big blow. Um, Matthias, how do you rate Baumann as Hoffenheim's keeper? To me, he's like very good, but sometimes he has some weird, weird moments.
3: Yeah, it's it's odd. Um, I think he's a very good keeper. Uh, I, I, I compare him a little bit to Buki in the sense that 90% of the time he's really good, and then 10% of the time you go, holy crap. Um, and it's you know no surprise that last season when I mean, you know if you take Neuer out of the equation statistically and overall performance wise the two best keepers in the Bundesliga were Baumann and and Birke. so it's, so they're relatively similar in that in that aspect so hopefully he's got a few more uh, brain farts <laughs> in this match than than Birke does and we we come off the better side. Occasionally, I think he also tries to make up for the fact that he doesn't have the greatest defenders ahead of him. And that can always hurt a keeper. And I think that's also hurt Bürki at times where his defensive line uh, was kind of patchwork together or playing with no confidence that he tried to overcompensate that and thus made more mistakes than he usually would. So um, hopefully this time... Baumann's the one with the bigger mistakes than Buicky, and but I wouldn't count on it. It's not really something I bank on with either one of them.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Konstantin, how can Dortmund defeat Hoffenheim? How can they carve them open? Where are Hoffenheim's biggest weak spots?
1: I mean, one of the one of the uh, weak spots, or it's not a weak spot, but uh, attacking wise. Um, it feels like ninety percent of their attacks uh, go through the left side um it has changed a little bit because Nico Schulz plays more often um when when Subo was on the pitch or has been on the pitch then uh it it always it always was was one uh lateral pass towards him and then he had to try to make something going uh you know interacting with De- Demir Bay or Amiri. Um, there on the left side, or maybe Kramaric, who is also a great uh, center midfielder. Um, or a- under Nagelsmann, actually, he's more of a center forward, but he plays as a as a advanced center midfielder under uh, Nagelsmann uh, frequently. Um, so what what you should do is if they again, you know, play through the left side over and over again, of course you can you can expose and exploit that. Um, by um, by either covering Schulz or uh, Super very tightly, um, or just you know uh, setting up some traps that uh, after the the pass is played uh, to Schulz or, or Super, uh, then you got a pressing trap there and and you isolate him with with uh, two players uh, with Jamon and and Toljan, for instance. Um, so that that's one thing. Uh, another thing is uh, when when Hoffenheim is, is uh, coming forward, um, sometimes, uh, especially with Bay and Amirio, with Bay and Kramaric as the advanced midfielders, uh, they leave uh, Kilich a little bit open, the, the, the holding midfielder, leave, leave him a, a little bit on his own there, uh, which of course creates space for uh, a, any transition attack you can set up after uh, winning the ball. So I mean, it would be important that your wingers, for instance, Yamolenko and and uh, Pudisic, that they are not as wide as as again as they did against Mines, that they are you know that they are a little bit uh, one uh, positioned more narrowly, um, so you can exploit the space next to Quillidge um that's something they should do then Kar- Karashabek is is a weak spot of course um that's why Hoffenheim is playing through the left side because Karashabek's is, is the weaker fullback of the um usually and also he doesn't get as much support um so you can you can uh, try to isolate him as well if if uh, Hoffenheim spreads the attacks um more evenly, um, you can uh, you can do that as well. So yeah, the fullbacks are, are weak spots can be weak spots um, either individually or, or technically. Um, that's 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 another thing. And yeah, other than that, uh, it, it's f- yeah. I mean, trying to trying to get in in one on one situations with one of the uh, center backs, uh, especially uh, Hübner or Vogt. Uh, Hübner is just not fast enough. Uh, Hübner is. Uh, average to good uh, or decent to good uh, set back but nothing to worry about uh, Posh is there um, posh, is, posh is a great talent uh, but still you know, uh, lacking a little bit of consistency so uh, even he can uh, be beaten in, in one-on-one situations uh, but I see having Foked ins- for instance having Young s- against Foked for instance in situations that would be tremendous for Dortmund um, and if you can make that happening then um, yeah you should do that as, uh, um, so our yeah I think half space is next to the holy midfielder or something isolating the left side or uh, Hoffenheim left side and also attacking
0: or pressuring Karaschabek yeah I'm still not sure about isolating Hoffenheim's left side considering uh, I have my doubts when it comes to Andrea Molenko's defensive contributions over 90 minutes <laughs> Well, and his yeah, his positioning. But, but you could so. use
1: Kagawa, for instance. You know, Kagawa is the, is the right side. It's a midfielder. You can use him and and leave Yamolenko uh, um, uh, up front or leave him, you know, uh, uh, in an advanced position, um, so he can he can receive the, the the first ball after you 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 have won the won the ball uh, against Schulz and Rupp or whoever is on the left side. So. I mean, you can you can try that. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yamalenko is maybe not the right guy to isolate um, Schulz or Subor, um on uh, out there. So, um, but Toljan and Kakava could do that. Um, as well, and it, it's just you know Hoffenheim do, do these left side attacks over and over again, uh, or I've done that uh, in, in in many matches this season. So um, if they do it again, maybe not. Maybe they've noticed when we change something. But if they do it again, um, you can w- really try to make something happen. And uh, I mean, there were other teams who did that. Uh, Tlatba, for instance, uh, because it's it's pretty easy to figure it out. It's that the strength of Hoffenheim is that even if you figure it out, um, they often uh, place. So fast and and you know one touch football, uh, which means folk to shu- folk to super uh, super one touch pass to to, to one touch pass to to Uth, for instance you know it's they they, pick, they play so uh, so high speed
0: that um, that sometimes you can't catch them really uh, yeah but that's if- what Peter Sugar said at the news conference today oh, that okay. he has analyzed Hoffenheim of course playing there with Cologne already but mm. uh, he said even even though we knew what we- what was coming? They still defeated us because we had no chance of stopping that.
1: Yeah, that's that's basically what what, what they try to do, and and because Nagelsmann knows that uh, if they play a, a rather patient, uh, procession style, um, that it wouldn't work with the players he has. I mean, even his best players, Demirbay and Amiri, uh, are better suited in a in a fast paced. Uh, uh, possession style, which basically is something Bosch tried to do,
0: tried to employ at Dortmund. Uh, yeah, we, we saw a- that quite well, I think, especially in the games against Liverpool, in the in home match against Liverpool, w- what was the uh, Champions League qualifier very early on in the season, where Hoffenheim had a lot of possession because uh, Liverpool were more on the back foot, and uh, even though it looked kind of good, they never really found any way to penetrate Liverpool in, in that game, and uh, Eventually they made a mistake and Liverpool just punished that and uh, I I think this hasn't really improved throughout the entire season with Hoffenheim and and,
1: and won't improve uh, going forward. It's just uh, Nagelsmann doesn't have the right players. Uh, um, he has just Dem- by Amiri, and even Quillich, Quillich is someone. Uh, not not your typical playmaker, Geiger, who's as you mentioned is suspended. He's, he's more of a holding midfielder, so he can stabilize the system defensively. No no nobody uh, no one who would um uh, you know be really, really dominate in build up. Um so you you don't just have the players and and your backline. I mean you get Posh posh is like the the uh, the Hoffenheim spotter, so so to say. You know a a guy who is great at advancing. Uh, if he if he gets if he gets space, uh, he can advance and and make or cost on trouble. Um, but Vogt, technically limited. Uh, Hübner, the same. Akupuma, yeah, a, b- a, b- a, b- a bit more talented w- w- with the ball, but still um, no, no no, Hummels, so to say. Uh, you know? um, so, yeah. And and Schabek, you know, uh, he tries to, to play as simple as possible. Um, and uh, s- same for Schulz. I mean, Schulz is more like a... a I know a field runner basically, <laughs> um, which he has proven over and over again when he played for um, Hertha and, and Gladbach. So yeah, you got you got really uh, as far as technique and and passing play goes, you got were simple players and and you know you know are a simple style. Um, and you know credit to Nagelsmann that he still uh, you know make it happen that they are playing for the Europa League uh, spots
0: yeah, right now, Hoffenheimer, one point in front of Dortmund, of course. Um, if there's one attacking move I want to see recreated that Dortmund showed a couple of times against, uh, Mindset, it was Syrian Weigel and Shinji Kagawa in two instances, uh, just lumping a ball over the back of the def- defense, uh, in one instance to Abo Meyang and one to Yamolenko. I think this could work out pretty well again. Uh, against Hoffenheim and I think this time it may even come to a little bit more fruition given that both have a better first touch <laughs> um, um, Lars anything left to say on that game or should we move on to predictions uh,
2: basically we can move on but I just want to make the point that I'm about fed up with Yamolenko's uh, defensive contributions even though he got better in the second half against Mainz and I would really like Pulisic to go back on his preferred right side uh, against Hoffenheim and maybe Guerrero to play on the left wing.
0: Yeah, that is that is true because uh yeah Yamulenko was a liability at times in that game and uh, there were a couple of weird lateral passes into midfield where I thought uh, not against Mainz obviously where I thought well, this could cost Dortmund now the game against a better team maybe often uh, Mainz couldn't take advantage but uh, yeah the thing is, though, Dortmund's squad doesn't really have too many players available. I mean, I think Jadon Sancho is still out, André Schölle wasn't in Mainz, and I think he's also still out. Stöger at least said that there is no player returning from injury, so I think uh, Dortmund are more or less forced to play with the same side. And um,
1: oh, Well, they, they, could, they could use Guerrero on the left side, Pulisic on the right, and Dahoud in midfield. Yeah. Or, or that, even
0: Shine.
2: Like, if, or even if Shine. The,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> well you know there's one match where 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 Weigel got you know got his his mojo back so to say uh you know he got he got more uh he was more dominant in build up uh putting Shaheen in that would destroy the entire thing i think because then Shaheen demands the ball and you know how that works out
0: matthias. Someone made a point on Twitter, I can't remember fully why, but, uh, fully who, but I think last retweeted it, and, uh, the person said that, uh, Jamu presence at the right side more or less suffocates the development of Christian Pulisic a little bit. Um, yes, he obviously didn't play his best game against Mainz on the left side, but, um, overall, do you think that's a concern for, for Polisic that, uh, Yamolenko yeah, too often uh, holds up on that right side and uh, doesn't really give Pulisic a chance to play on the side where he is, at least in my view, better.
3: No, I don't. I think the person suffocating Pulisic's performances is, is Christian himself. Um, I mean, he had a flyer at the beginning of the season. He was also doing well for 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 Team USA, um, and then, you know, I he had still a couple of good performances after the whole world cup fiasco, but he's really flattened out. And I don't think that has anything to do with Yarmolenko playing on the right. Um, I think that has to do just, I mean, a, like I said, we're lacking options. Uh, Yarmolenko is better on the right than on the left. And Pulisic is better on the left than Yarmolenko is on the left. So I I think it's just situational. I don't think Yarmolenko is stifling Pulisic's, uh, performances or his development you can't forget he's still an incredibly young player that has a lot of hot and cold spells as any player does but specifically young players do so I don't I wouldn't give Yarmolenko quite that much credit at this point
0: <laughs> yeah fair enough uh, Christian Pulisic in, in too many games now try to run headfirst into the wall of defenders winning games by himself I mean this is also I think down to the uh, Malays Dot in that players, yeah, try to win things by themselves. That's not a phenom- phenomena only down to, to young players. I mean, the same with, is with Jamulenko, who sometimes tries to dribble against eight players instead of just play a simple pass, which can be frustrating, I think, at times. So, um, yeah, um, that's also one thing for Stöger to fix, I guess, in the next couple of, uh, months to uh, get more out of Pulisic again but I I think that's given his talent that's not going to take too long Uh, we all still remember that uh, enthralling performance by Pulisic against Bayern Munich and uh, yeah I think more of that will come in the future Um, in the very near future namely now Matthias can predict the scoreline prediction or the scoreline rather (laughs)
3: I will predict the prediction of yeah. a, pred- a predictable um I'll go one all. All right, last.
2: Yeah, I think these are two relatively evenly matched teams with uh similar problems in terms of the unba- or disbalance in in the teams. So I would say one all, but given the home field advantage and uh, maybe the boost of morale after the Mainz win, I'm going with a narrow and possibly undeserved, but nevertheless important 2-1 victory for Dortmund.
0: That was also my prediction. So, Konstantin, if you have a different one, uh, go one, ahead.
1: One, one both.
0: Okay. So, at least no one's predicting a loss. <laughs> That's, I guess all the confidence you have on the yellow airport after the first win in months. So Matthias, thanks again for coming on. Where can people find you on the internet?
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter
0: at Matthiasuk. That is very nice. Lars. And after you found Matthias, you can uh, find me at Lars Polman. <laughs> cool. And Constantine, where can people uh, reach you on the internet and uh, find your work?
1: So be- before they look up uh, Lars and Matthias, they should uh, at first uh, go on Twitter <laughs> and type in <laughs> cc underscore eckner. That's my Twitter account. And also check out spielverlagen.com and spielverlagen.de
0: if German is your thing. All right, fair enough. In the meantime, they all should bookmark ESPNFC. Of course, that's uh, where they can find the stuff I write. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Stefan If you want to get in touch with the all of us, then do that on Twitter as well, at Yellow Pod, or on Facebook. And of course, you can always use our contact form on yellowworldpod.com where you also find our written contact and if you want to subscribe to our show do that via itunes soundcloud and stitcher or your favorite podcatcher and we will be back after the hoffenheim match and before the last game of the year which will be the uh, Cup match against bayern munich until then goodbye have a good day